And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, live from a Portland hotel room on a on a pretty sunny day, I've got to say. The the myths you have heard about the Northwest are only partially true. Uh, it was raining earlier, even though it's sunny, so you know, that's why I say only partially. This is Jurassic Pod. That's the name of the podcast. I'm Eric Corrine. Joining me, as always, is my dear friend and Raptors observer, Holly McKenzie. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I wish that it was sunny in Toronto. It is very dreary and dark and it feels late and I do not like the, um, you know, early darkness. But I love Portland and, and I love weather when it's like sunny and raining at the same time and it just feels like... This is crazy. What's going on? Yeah, Portland's great. Yeah, so here, here's what I say about Portland every time I've been here, which I'm not sure if it's two times or three times. I feel like you've um, definitely been there more than twice. But anyway. Uh, Anywho, um, it is so nice to see cities that don't look exactly the same as mm-hmm. other cities. And a lot of NBA, not NBA, like North American cities, like kind of look the same. You have your you know, downtown and mm-hmm. there's just mm-hmm. buildings and, and sometimes it's on a body of water and sometimes it's not. And then you have your suburbs and there's a certain homogeny to it. Just the, um, the number of bridges in Portland, <laughs> the, the trees that are forever in the background, the, you know, Mount hood, if you can get a look at that. Uh, it's really it's really a distinct city. Like the only other city, and I don't think you've been here uh, with the bridges that it reminds me of uh, in in North America, at least, is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's another city with like sixteen or seventeen bridges that you can see from certain vantage points. I have not um, been to Pittsburgh. You it's were a correct. very underrated city, um, I would say. Uh, also, I, I don't know if this is still true. It has the most bars per capita in the United mm. States. Uh, Interesting. So, That's not really the pull for me. That like no, I know would be for a lot of people, but uh, I have not been to Pittsburgh. Completely open to going to Pittsburgh if yeah, there's a, if there's a reason. But uh, love Portland. Love um, you know when you're coming in and there's the bridges, as you said. Uh, love when you get to see the sunset over those bridges. Amazing. Oh, yeah. And there's so much greenery. It just makes you feel alive like actually like it's crazy to me it always makes me feel like how am i in the city when there's this much nature and beauty around me really love it also love the walkability is that a word walkability yeah sure i love the walkability of that city it just it just feels like it's made for people who want to walk i love it yeah i haven't got to do that as much um so far as i would like i'm hoping we're recording on tuesday i'm hoping wednesday before i fly out to salt lake i'll get a few hours in the morning and early afternoon to do that um and it it looks like the weather should cooperate so fingers 
crossed. Uh, but I must go on to Salt Lake because that's where the Raptors are going next. And and they need is- to get on track. They need they need a win and they need a good game and they need they yeah. need some good things. It was a it was a bad week. Uh, <laughs> they lost in Boston. They won in unlikely fashion on a back-to-back in Philadelphia. Even, you know, Joe Allenbeat, of course, was not playing. But if you're going to guess which one of those two the Raptors would win, <laughs> uh, save for the whole tortured history with Boston, I, I would have guessed Boston. But no, they won Philly. Uh, they gave that one right back two days later in, in what was probably their worst performance mm-hmm. of the year, mm-hmm. uh, considering the opponent. Uh, given up 127 points to the god awful offensively, uh, <laughs> they they have a lot of nice pieces. They play hard. They are just a bad offensive team. That's mm-hmm. the reality. Detroit Pistons. Uh, Dwayne Cass- Casey gets another one over Nick <laughs> Nurse and his old team. And then to start this trip, the Raptors play a very good first quarter and give it all away after that and get blitzed to start the fourth quarter and can't quite recover as they lose by five in Portland. Yeah. I think the biggest, we can get into those games individually as we see fit, but I think the biggest thing to take away uh, from not only these past four games, but I, I just finished writing these last six games when they're one in five, uh, having lost five of six, they have the worst defense in the league. Uh, which is not something I expected to say about the Raptors over any (laughs) six-game stretch this year. Neither. What have have you seen on that end of the floor, Holly? Because it's getting to the point where, given the competition, uh, you know, Portland's a very explosive team, obviously, but overall, it's pretty concerning. Yeah, uh, the thing about the defense is like, you, like, sort of like you mentioned, it's not dependent at all upon the opponent. Like, it's not that it's just they're facing good offenses or superstar players. I mean, yes, Damien's great. CJ McCollum had an amazing game last night. But just overall, it feels like within the same game, there's multiple games. Like, you mentioned the really strong first quarter in um, Portland on Monday. They came out great. They looked amazing. Uh, as the game went on, you know, it was a back and forth game. They tied it up after three. And then the fourth <laughs> was just a nightmare uh, for Raptors fans, a total nightmare. But like from a distance, that looks like there were three games within one. And if you look at those other losses this past week, it just feels like they have stretches where they look so good on both ends of the floor, but especially defensively and then in the same game for no reason it just stops and it's such a weird thing because coming into the season I was pretty confident that this team will be super active really good defensively super athletic really long all of those things I thought you're not going to get an easy win against the Raptors like they're going to compete every night and watching them I don't know if I don't know if I would say they're not trying or competing but it just feels impossible that this team that puts together these stretches where they look so good on both ends of the floor then just like it disappears and i don't know if it's effort yeah um so we will get into that 
And, and just to clarify how much of this, <sighs> these struggles have been on the defense, I believe the Raptors are like seventh in offensive rating over these last six games. So, it, you know, it's the Raptors offense, so it doesn't always look that pretty, but it's been, you know, at, but at times it has. And regardless, it's been basically working beyond mm-hmm. <laughs> reasonable expectations. Uh, so this is all on the defense. And there are takes, and and when we say takes, I I usually mean it sarcastically, and and I don't this time. But I I think something that's been consistent throughout last season and this season when talking about defense uh, is the way that the Raptors are playing defense. There is a lot of trapping Mm -hmm. ball handlers. There is, you know, uber aggression going for steals, and... By nature, that is a high-risk, high-reward style. And I would suggest that if you're going to play... And what what made me think of this is, A, I just finished writing about it. But B, uh, you say that you don't know if it's a question of effort. I don't think it's a question of effort. I do wonder if it's a question of fatigue. Well, which that's me, when which I lead, say... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> when which I say story, that, go on. <laughs> sorry. When I say I don't know if it's a question of effort, that is what I mean. I don't think it's that guys are not trying. You know, it's just yeah. shocking the drop off from quarter to quarter, or even within the quarter. But continue yeah. fatigue definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's not like the Raptors' schedule has been particularly busy lately. But this is a team that is relying on its starters, I'm confident in saying, like no other team Mm -hmm. in the league. Uh, Without counting Siakam, the Raptors' other four starters are rank 1st, 2nd, 12th, and 26th in minutes per game. Uh, That would be Van Vliet, Ananobi, Barnes, and Trent, respectively. Uh, In Portland... They all played between 39 minutes and 20 seconds and 40 minutes and 44 seconds. Now, I got to say, like, A, the bench came or there was a bench heavy unit to start the fourth quarter and they got blitzed on an 8-0 run. So you understand why Nick Nurse wanted to get the starters back in. Uh, When he did get the starters back in, the Raptors turned a 13-point deficit into a four-point deficit, Mm -hmm. and then Portland bumped it up to 11, (laughs) and they got it to within one. So it's not like he was wrong to do that in a very micro that game analysis. The Raptors could have won that game, and I don't think you can say that Nurse, from a one-game perspective, was wrong to rely that heavily Mm -hmm. on his starters. But... My question uh, is, can this type of defense (laughs) excel when players are being stretched so thin? Because it demands so, so much. Yeah, I think the obvious answer is no. Um, And another, this sort of leads into the next thing I kind of wanted to touch on, which is, Great news. Pascal's back. He looks really good. He's had some strong games. I mean, I still had some timing issues, especially defensively, I think, just to like mm-hmm. get some more games and conditioning under under himself. But when are we going to get to see the full Raptors roster healthy together for a long time? I have been waiting 
for Utah. I have been told that we were going to have Utah returning to action. I think it's been two weeks now. This mysterious calf strain. It's not, it's not actually mysterious. I'm just, I just miss him. I, I, really... I was, I was on the calf strain being a more serious injury <laughs> than thought right away. Uh, I think I've talked about this already, so I don't need to talk it anymore, but about it anymore. But I just want to take my wins where I can get them. Jurassic the calf inj- Pod the, conspiracy the, episode. The calf injury is not to be trifled with, is all I'm saying. I yeah, for once you're being more more paranoid than I am. That's shocking. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, like I hope I hope it is just a calf injury, and I hope he's back soon. But I definitely think that having him back will help like you know he's another super smart player he showed a lot at the end of last year prior to getting injured um i think they really like him and i think that nurse has shown that he trusts him uh and i want to see him i want to see him with this group i think he'll definitely help adding another piece to the rotation and to the bench to help some of those minutes out. But yeah, it just feels like we haven't really had a good stretch where everyone has been available and chris we got um Pascal back, but then Kem was out for a few games with swelling in his knee. Those did not go so well. Uh, He's important. (laughs) You really see that. I mean, I think we both thought that, but you really see it when he isn't playing. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, after his uh, incredible game against the Sixers, where he had 32-6-7 and and the biggest shot of the night and the biggest celebration of the night, the most expensive. The $15,000 shot or celebration, (laughs) depending on how you want to view it. Which I think he would say is absolutely worth it. Um, I love the NBA. (laughs) I love that 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 can be worth it. Um, But he missed the next game. uh, And I think it's kind of every Raptors reporter had to say, this isn't a joke. I'm not kidding. Yeah. He has a groin injury. <laughs> he has a after, groin injury. After doing the Sam Cassell uh, yeah. large cojones dance. Yeah, so that happened. And, I mean, we already obviously knew this. But this team, without Fred Van Vliet, I don't want to watch that team. <laughs> like, Hopefully yeah, we don't um, have to again. <laughs> I, but, I mean, but especially we, for that reason, like, we got to watch the minutes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we can quibble with who's the best player on this team. Uh, I think Fred Van Vliet is pretty clearly the most mm-hmm. important player yep. on this team. <laughs> and part of that is lack of adequate replacement. And part of that is he's might be the best player on the team. <laughs> and he also has that thing too like you saw it obviously they didn't win against the Blazers but you saw him in the fourth hit that huge three and come to the bench and fire them up and then do it again a bit later he definitely you can tell that he played with and learned the NBA from Kyle Lowry <laughs> they yeah. definitely have that same chip and yeah that's really important uh, so a few notes on what you said there first of all uh we are told, and this could change, that Utah will speak in Utah, which has led to a lot of unfortunate sentences uh, on this road trip uh, because of the uh, pronunciation of his name and that place. Uh, a lot of unintended puns, or un- I, they're not even puns, but you know, just unfortunate uh, word usage. Uh, but we're hopeful that he will speak on Thursday. That does not mean he will play on Thursday, but 
it certainly would indicate that maybe he is ramping up toward that. Okay, um, I didn't know that. That's very exciting. Well, you, that's you are... because... Yeah, and breaking news that breaking might not news. happen. <laughs> uh, Utah is plus scheduled to speak on Thursday. Listen, I've been clinging we, to the Utah news, so this is very exciting yeah, for at me. At Don't which take point, this away from me. <laughs> at which point we might or might not know more about when he will play. I, I mean, I think we'll probably know more. The question is how <laughs> much more and what will that news be? So... So there's one thing. I think the bigger thing than that, though, and I agree, I think he is an incredibly important player for the depth uh, because of how he plays and just because, you know, I think we can be reasonably sure that Nick Nurse trusts him Mm -hmm. to play within this scheme. And that's obviously what's missing when you play your starters 40 minutes a (laughs) night is like a level of trust in the other guys. Um And that brings me to my second note, which is waiting for like a full roster to come together is sort of a faulty thing. Like the league, (laughs) but I'm not addressing you so much as as like kind of myself, maybe the Raptors a bit and Nurse, but also just people who follow this stuff and say, well, when we get X back and this guy back, this is all going to make sense because the season is so long. And Mm -hmm. and do you remember that uh, the 2013-14 year, I'm going off way on a tangent, but like- We love tangents. uh, The starters missed something like 12 or 13 combined games. Mm -hmm. And and that was like a huge part of their success. It was like their best players were just healthy. Um, And like, obviously the Raptors basically blew past that with Siakam missing the first 10 games of the year or or nine or whatever it was. Um, But health matters a lot, but over 82 games- if you are relying on a full, <laughs> fully healthy rotation, it's just it, it's a easy it's way. It's fool's to find, gold. Yeah, yeah. Is that a right? To, is that the correct? Uh, I, I would say it's a fool's errand to a rely. Fool's errand, on, yes. To rely yes. on it, and I didn't want to use that phrase. I was thinking about it, but I was worried that you would take it as me calling you a fool, <laughs> which you no. know, I, I, implicitly, I would have been, but it would not have been meant as such i've been Um, called worse i'll take that (laughs) uh which is all to say i think that nick nurse has to start leaning on some guys to just play a nightly Mm -hmm. role which he said to me today let's see if i can find the quote quickly um he, he he was talking about uh you know, how the bench has been good some nights, not good some nights. They've gotten Chris Boucher and Delano Benton in there and they've changed some games. But at the end, he just said, again, to answer your question, I need to get them in there early and mm-hmm. keep and keep mm-hmm. playing them. Uh, so he knows it. Um, and, you know, the, the hope is that you get the more rope you give them, the more mm-hmm. production mm-hmm. they give you. But it, it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing, uh, you know, <laughs> easy for us to say, but... If, you know, Svi, Malachi Flynn, and uh, and Ken Birch are in there at the start of the fourth quarter and they get run off the floor, uh, it's easy for us to say, 
well, just keep rolling with them on any given night. Like, no, I didn't. I did last night. I was very yeah, much. Yeah, and as <laughs> as was I. But this is yes, like, I know. This is why I empathize. Like even though I think Nick Nurse does need to rely on more guys, and you know, I would if we're going to the specifics, I would pick one of Malachi or Goron Dragic and roll with him. Goron I mean, had a really good uh, performance yeah, in the yeah. in the game that for, Fred was out for so, sure. Yeah. I would sort of like. In the absence of the players currently, um, I'm talking about Boucher and Achua, I would pick one of, you know, Champagne or Isaac Bonga, who's with Mm -hmm. 905, and roll with them. And Mm -hmm. just like last night, the 7th, 8th, and ninth rotation spots contributed about 19 minutes of the 240 overall minutes. Yeah. And that's just, and again, extreme, extreme example but it's an extreme example of something that's kind of been happening for a while now. It's funny too. Uh, Cause even hearing you say that it's like another reminder that like, yeah, it's easy to, you know, pinpoint what you would change if you were the coach, but Hey, being an NBA coach is actually a difficult job because imagine if uh, Nick hadn't made changes last night, the same people that are saying, Oh, you got to roll with them a little bit longer. If it was like a 20 point loss, it, uh, you know, they would have been yeah. saying different things. <laughs> they would have wanted exactly what had happened last night. Yeah, it's like, why did you roll with that line? Yeah. And we've heard that so many times. So, you know, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Uh, and I think we can have our own opinions and have our own beliefs while still basically understanding where yeah, for sure. is, is coming from. Uh, with how he is allocating the minutes. Uh, other notes in Portland, and again, this might actually relate to the fatigue conversation that is going to dominate this podcast, apparently. Um, OG Ananobi was great in the first half yeah. and then pretty quiet in the second half, which is not the first time this year mm-hmm. he's done that. Uh so I don't know what that, again, he's second in the league in minutes per game, <laughs> probably first in total minutes, given that Van Vliet has missed a game and he hasn't. Um, but man, was he on one at the beginning, but starting with a uh, Dirk one-legged thing <laughs> over Norm Powell. Yeah, he was, he was crazy. I was watching it happen and being excited after every made shot. But then, like, they had, like, the graphic along the bottom of the screen, like, saying how many points he had. And it was, like, I don't even remember. It was, like, 20 or 22. And I was, like, what? How? Even though I then went back through my head and through my mind and was, like, yeah, you definitely watched all of those, reacted to all of those, were excited about all of those makes. But I still couldn't believe that, like, that that he, that that was his his performance in the first half. He was great. Yeah. In addition to the minutes, leading the, leading the team and almost the league in minutes, uh, this is a totally different role for OG in terms of the level of production that is being expected from him and just the load that he's carrying offensively and defensively. So it's not shocking that he's getting fatigued and tired more often and quicker than you may have expected or hoped. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, last I checked, he was the slight leader in usage on this team ahead of mm-hmm. Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all pretty close between him and Fred and, and Pascal, probably, although the sample's obviously still building there. I think the, like, the one offensive thing we can say is that Pascal's return is certainly chipped away at Scotty Barnes' mm-hmm. offensive usage, which isn't to say his production necessarily, although I, I think he's had a few rocky games now, and and especially in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. last night, he'll have... I mean, those were some uh, capital L, capital M learning mistakes. Um, they were lessons, lessons. as uh, Ty Lu said. Win- yeah. With Ty Lu, right? Wins and lessons. Wins and lessons, yes. yeah. I, there think, were, I think it was Ty Lu. Yeah. There were some rookie lessons happening last night. I wouldn't say rookie mistakes. I would say rookie lessons. Yeah, uh, but Go the interesting ahead, thing about about Scotty, I mean, I know we've talked about this already, but I just have to say it again because I think about it weekly and if not every other game um, watching him, even when he is not uh, having a huge role offensively or taking a lot of shots or, you know, it seems like he's, especially with Pascal coming back, it seems like his opportunities are, you know, changing and lessening in a way. Um, even when he's not having a good game offensively, you look down and at the start of the fourth quarter, he's got nearly 20 points. Like, that is a sign of a player that is really, is going to be really good. Like, if you don't have a great game and you end up with 20 and freaking 10, like, okay. Yeah, I th- our, our friend Alex Wong, I think, tweeted it last night. That's like Scotty Barnes really went out there, had like a blah game did 40 minutes of cardio and got 20 and 10 um he does though like this keeps happening um again it's a player who knows how to fit in and impact a game in multiple Mm -hmm. ways Mm -hmm. uh you know the defensive versatility is great right up until you consider the type of defense they're playing (laughs) (laughs) because you know i I have a lot as, as i wrote uh, replied yesterday to I think Sean Hyken, uh great he started the game guarding Yusuf Nurkic and ended it guarding you know McCollum mm-hmm. and, and Lillard but you know the Raptors are playing terrible defense so like I, I think you could find similarly terrible results from a bunch <laughs> of other players and of course I'm being facetious a, a bit like the ability to hang at all is, is impressive mm. but you know versatility is not in and of itself, uh, an accomplishment. Uh, it is only a means. A it is something means. to marvel at. I'll say it it's is, a it's something, Yeah, it's something to appreciate, and it's a possible means to success. But when you're just using it and, and still failing, uh, I, I know this sounds bleak. And they were lessons. They were lessons, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric. Get <laughs> <Okay>. on. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very Get on, on board. Bra- we're very on brand right now with you, with you trying to keep it positive and, and say they're terrible. <laughs> 
bunch of mistakes. Scotty Barnes, terrible. I need to ask you about the CJ McCollum block in the fourth quarter, seeing that live. That felt like an out-of-body experience. Like, that was crazy. Yeah, that that's like, of all the starters playing, mm-hmm. like, the, like CJ McCollum blocking scotty barnes Mm -hmm. shot like like maybe behind fred blocking yusuf nurkic uh like a real block not an nba stats block but like a i somehow feel like it's more it would be more it was more shocking i would believe that fred would do that well it was here's the the thing about that block it was so emphatic and Mm -hmm. impressive like like it Mm -hmm. wasn't just like he he kind of got there on the way up like, like it seemed like it was really at the the peak uh, of <laughs> yeah. Scotty Barnes jump uh it, i was on the other or or i, I guess it was we're sort of mid court there but it, it it was pretty far away from me and it still it looked very emphatic the crowd uh, must have like gone insane yeah great That's crowd awesome. there i i've mentioned that before yeah uh, blazers one of, definitely one of my top arena experiences in the league for for fans thinking about going to certain nba cities and in, in the future when we can travel more easily uh portland would be high on my list yeah it's great i've i have watched a game there as a fan and i have enjoyed it immensely and yeah love portland this is a very pro portland podcast today yeah. and as it oh. should be I have yeah. to say, I'm really shocked that of my notes that I sent you, you didn't mention my my take on the Boston loss. Yeah, well, I just it, it just feels which was so long I, I'm mentioning now, that just because it yeah, is. Let's talk about straight, it. Straight, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to say the loss was straight up annoying. Um, and I need to know if you also feel this way. I have an irrational hate <laughs> for Raptors games that are in Boston, even after the like home opener in Boston this year where they blew them out. I hate road games in Boston. I just feel like it's just never a good thing. Well, even when they win, I don't yeah, know. I, I just, think we discussed it when they actually beat Boston. Maybe we um, did the no, but like there have been several annoying losses over the years, many of which like came down to offensive execution in the final few minutes. Uh, and it just see, especially before the championship, there was a lot of like same old Raptors uh, yeah. <laughs> narrative. And I feel um, like players have gotten injured there. Like I just feel like it's been bad, weird. Jorge Garbajosa for one. Yeah, you all. Maybe that. Maybe my heart is just permanently, permanently imprinted and scarred. I don't know. And that's not to say anything negative about Boston or, or the or the Celtics as a whole. I just really, no, whenever I see that trash. the Raptors. <laughs> Whenever I see that the Raptors have a road game there, I like, I feel it. I feel the negativity. And you know what? I don't like feeling negativity about basketball. So yeah, well, uh, I, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, it's another passionate crowd, uh, and I know I said that like I meant it in a certain way. Uh, it's a really good home crowd. It's one of the best home crowd advantages, home court advantages in the league, and a gorgeous uh, court. Oh, oh, I love well, their yeah. court. Um, but yeah, I feel you. I like. I I've tried to remove to remove a lot of that. Not that I want to remove all my emotion from from the Raptors and basketball in general. But you know, in order to chronicle these games, <laughs> uh, I, I try to do that a little bit. But I definitely get the the vibe you're you're indicating, and and, and it, I think. 
it makes sense to me with the Raptors in Boston, even though like the Raptors played pretty well in Boston for a, for a long yeah, while there. That's what I mean. Like, it's not even, it's not even a win loss thing to me. I don't know. I just, I think of like all the other stops um, around the league and I'm not sure there's another road game where I'm like, Oh, again, it also just feels like they play Boston eight times a year. And it feels like the games are all in Boston, which doesn't make sense. But yeah. Um, quickly, because this is what I wrote <laughs> about last night. Uh, Norm Gary, two. Uh, um, yeah. uh, the, la- the first time was like a few days after the trade. It was weird as hell and it happened in Tampa. Uh, so it basically didn't happen. Uh, this one, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say either had a great game. Uh, Gary Trent had 18 points. Norm had 12. He missed a few corner threes that he normally, mm-hmm. pun, pun not intended, once again, um, hits. Uh, <laughs> as I mentioned, OG took him to the woodshed with that old Dirk move. Pascal got him on the spin and Norm got the win. Pun in, or rhyming wow. intended. Wow, that, that was um, bad. That was uh, really bad. <laughs> but, you know, I, I know we had a lot, uh, a few of us, myself, Michael Grange, and Doug Smith had a lovely chat with Norm oh, before the I'm game. so jealous. Uh, he seems pretty, pretty good. Um, Very you know, jealous. Not under, not, not, not um, complacent because you must understand the grime grind and the grime i suppose uh but you know <laughs> you sign a 90 million dollar contract uh you can feel good and stable and ready to yeah, focus on the things that wonderful. matter uh but what was it like watching um i guess both of those guys not that they were necessarily in a one-on-one matchup but uh yeah uh, removed from that trade how do you feel about it uh all these months later yeah, uh, obviously I love Norm and shocker, shocker, I love Norm Powell. That, <laughs> I don't think I needed to say that, but well, yeah, you're he, you're within. You have good company within Raptors, you know. Yeah, who doesn't people. love Norm? Um, it's great to see him, of course. Like to see him on my TV, not to see him. I wasn't there, um, but yeah, I think the thing with Gary is. I feel like every game there are stretches and plays both offensively and defensively where I'm just really excited and surprised by what he's able to do. You know, I know sometimes some people have like gripes with some of his shots, shots and shot selection. Sometimes, you know, maybe he takes a few too many heat checks, but man, does he come up big sometimes. And when he does, it's really exciting. And I also think when someone plays as hard as he does on both ends of the floor, it, it doesn't bother me as much if, you know, he maybe takes a shot he shouldn't or, or you know, misses a shot that maybe wasn't the best idea. But, yeah, I um, he had a couple plays last night, couple, a, a couple offensive plays where I was just really impressed with him. And he's exciting to me. It's exciting to me to think of how young Gary still is. And how much he, I mean, to me, I feel like he has improved. Maybe to people who have watched him in Portland all last season, they knew that he could do this. But, like, defensively, I think he's been really good. And, um, yeah, the game that they lost against, uh, was it the Cavs? Where he had, like, two steals in the final few minutes of that game. Yeah, Um, it's it's funny. Like, he's gotten quote-unquote burned on those types of defensive i mean he made a great one to, mm-hmm. to secure the orlando win but in the cleveland game and even last night he he had a foul on norm in which like it seemed like he was doing a good job and then sort of caught his elbow before mm-hmm. he could make a defensive play and so he, 
having taken maybe the most to how the Raptors are trying <laughs> to play defensively. He has been on both sides of that high risk, high reward type of situation. But, you know, I think the why you talk about that improvement, uh, or I mean, I'll just speak for myself and you can agree or not agree. Last year, and as much as we want to throw out last year, it did happen. <laughs> like the fit looked really bad after the trade. Yeah. And we can, we're not going to go over the reasons why we all know them by heart. <laughs> um, but he did, he did not look like he fit on either end. Right. And right now, certainly we, we just, you know, trashed, sorry, I trashed, you explained the defense for the first uh, <laughs> for the first half of this podcast. But he certainly fits in with what they're trying to do on defense. And I think like the playmaking on offense is coming along like in mm-hmm. drips and drabs. And that's great. Uh, like, I, like I really do see it, like whether it's without Van Vliet at times, uh, you know, as the ball handler in a pick and roll, like he's just the... And, and I think coming from Portland, that was the real question about his game was, could he be more than the spot up shooter he was with Damian Lillard right. and CJ McCollum? So that development, I think, from the long term Gary Trent arc is maybe the most important thing or, or the thing that we're least sure of. So I think that even more than the defense is something to keep an eye on. And and I've, even though the numbers aren't eye popping, I I've seen something from him over these last few games to say, all right, let's, let's keep that going and keep it trending in a positive d- direction. Also, he's um, only 22. That blows my mind. He is. Uh, and that's part of the reason I really wish they had a team option on that third year of the contract instead <laughs> of a player option. If there was one thing, and like the Raptors give out player options pretty willy-nilly, I really would have, don't love it. I don't love the player option sending a guy to, I mean, for him, good for him. Um, uh, Shocking, I love it because I love the player having. No, no, I, uh, yes, (laughs) philosophically, I love it and think players should have control. Somebody like, I think we were talking about the same thing and I forget who the we was in this case. Um, but I like sarcastically replied, you know how I feel about players. Uh, I, I'm always saying that players should have less control over their destiny. <laughs> and, th- and then somebody replied on Twitter and I read it for some stupid reason. Like, actually, oh, no. that's not that's not true. They oh, should no. have control. I'm like, yes, that I, I tweeted. I said one thing, but meant the opposite. Uh, it's this, yeah, it's this yeah. hot trend that's coming about in the language <laughs> game. Um, but you but, know what's even worse than that? Sorry, and I'm making a social media group yeah. gripe is lame and boring, and I shouldn't be wasting our time doing that. But I hate when I tweet something or or say something, and then someone responds back to explain to me. But in their yeah. explanation, it's so obvious that they are wrong like they're just wrong (laughs) but they they don't know that and you like there's no point in going back and forth because you can tell from the tone you know but i just hate that because i'm like that's not no yeah no um anyway to to bring it back to gary trent and the contract my my point i guess is and this is true of all (laughs) player options but like given the competition, I question how necessary it was. Like if he underperforms the contract, then it's sort of a, it's a millstone. Mm -hmm. And I I think the general 
consensus was this the contract he got three about 54 or 52 over three it was based a lot on the potential for growth like that's mm-hmm. probably not what he was worth based on his past production so if he outperforms it in two years he's an unrestricted free agent if he doesn't it becomes yeah. like a millstone and <clears throat> again that's the case with all player options i just think because of the market and restricted free agency I really wish they had fought for that uh, either team option or just made it a guaranteed three years. Don't hate that. Um, you want to talk about DeMar quickly? We have to talk about DeMar because he was home in L.A. playing the Clippers, playing the Lakers. The Bulls got two more wins, like huge wins, and DeMar was incredible. Uh, he had 38 against the Lakers. I'm blanking on the number against the Clippers, but just trust me that it was another great game. Uh, I'm so happy for him. He is the best. There's no one better than DeMar DeRozan, and I just am thrilled. I love him in Chicago. Him pairing with... Okay, I have been a Zach Levine stand for years. I have told everybody, more than they have wanted to listen, that he was going to be a great player in this league and that I love him because he's wonderful. He's a wonderful person. He does so much charity and stuff behind the scenes that people don't even know about. I just think he's great. And for him to be paired with DeMar, it's it's my dream. It's my dream. And I love them being together. And Chicago is really good. <laughs> like They're playing so well. And I was just thrilled that he got to have yeah, that game I... at, at home. I'm happy for him, and uh, this isn't an original point, but pairing Levine and DeRozan, who are uh, tremendous offensive <laughs> players with, you know, issues on the other side of the ball. I, I think Levine has gotten better. Uh, DeMar also tries to defend. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, that's mean. I love DeMar, but he's not good on that end. Anyway, pairing them with a backcourt right now of Caruso and Lonzo Ball, it's who so like, good. really defend, it just makes a lot of sense. It's, you know, people question the complementary talent. And I think so far this year, we're seeing that in Chicago. Like, it really is all playing in like like mm-hmm. their skills are really meshing together it's cool to see uh just one final story from this trip uh the raptors were practicing today and a few shortly after that the bulls were coming to practice at the same place oh my at, goodness at which point i yelled revenge practice um which one out of three people laughed at uh, um <laughs> i didn't know that that's so exciting i mean i didn't know it too um Anyway, did you get to to see tomorrow? No, no, I did not see him. Uh, We got to wrap this up. Raptors off to Utah on Thursday, back to back Sacramento Friday, league leading Golden State Warriors uh, on finals bound Golden State Warriors. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't even I none of my feelings have like coalesced into strong opinions about the rest of the season yet maybe that's because i'm too laser focused on the raptors because i'm a raptors beat reporter (laughs) uh but they have been good to start yeah uh what are you watching for holly oh you didn't finish the rest of the trip well it's because we're going to talk to the people before uh oh oh okay sorry i thought we were doing a prediction for the rest of the trip can we do that quickly because i was curious Okay, so, sure. So Utah, uh, Sacramento, Golden State, then they're in Memphis, and then Indiana before they return home, right? Yeah, I'm going to say lost to Utah, win over Sacramento, lost to Golden State, win over Memphis, lost to Indiana, two and three. I think they will win in Indiana, but the rest, I think the same. 
Oh, Although nice. the Raptors have had amazing games in Utah in recent years. It's usually been Kyle Lowry <laughs> having sorry, the craziest fourth quarters. Just been incredible. Yeah. I can't think of Miami. Miami won in Utah the other night. Uh, yes, and Jimmy yes. Butler didn't play. And the first thing I did was go check for like Kyle's box score. And it, it was just like fine. It wasn't yeah, yeah, torture, yeah. but I was like expecting to go. Did, did Kyle have like 35 and eight on, you know, with six made threes again against, <laughs> against the Jazz? But maybe, um, maybe Fred will, Fred will continue um, his Kyle impersonation in Utah. And maybe that'll surprise us. Also, one more thing before we go. Shout out to Kyle's mom, Marie, who was at the Raptors game in Philadelphia, uh, repping with her Raptors shirt. It was so awesome. They showed her on the broadcast. We love Marie. She is actually truly just the best. As and it was as, really cool that she was there. As far as we know, the Raptors are 1-0 this season when a uh, Lowry, Kyle Lowry family member is in the house. And, uh, you know, 6-8. and 1-6-8? Yeah. When they're not. So uh, <laughs> that is that is cool. It was cool. Uh, she's a, you know, I can't say I know her, but she seems like a very nice lady who really cares about the Raptors. She is a very nice lady. She's the best. Yeah. Uh, all right, Holly. I got to go do more of my job now, um, which might be waiting for a phone call that I hope comes. This is I'm the part. excited to see who the phone call is going to be. Love yeah. the drama. Well, it's it's not really Raptors related, but uh, mm. I'll tell you once uh, we stop talking <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, Holly, thanks uh, for taking the time and chatting. Yeah, this week. thanks. And thanks to everyone for listening. This is so fun. All right. Have a good week, guys. See ya. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.